Hey there, and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dazinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach, and this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Today, I thought we would be wrapping up our Sexpectation series, but apparently I have a lot to say on this topic. So I'll be back next week with Sexpectation number 10. And if you haven't listened to parts one and two, feel free to go back and take a listen at some point to be sure you catch them all. And to those of you who've recently left ratings and reviews on the podcast on iTunes, I'm so appreciative. Thank you so much for listening in, for tuning in each week, and for letting me know how much the podcast means to you, whether you've told me personally, through email, or through a review on iTunes. I really hope you know how much you mean to me too, both your words of encouragement, as well as the energy and passion you bring for applying these episodes to your own marriage, and your heart to see other couples thrive as well. I love it. All right. Moving right along to sexpectation number eight and nine, which will specifically address unrealistic expectations that are related to pornography usage, which has become much more prevalent in the past decade or so given the ease of access on our personal devices. In fact, according to a 2015 survey conducted by the Barna Group, 41% of males between the ages of 13 and 24 and 23% of males aged 25 and older, both whom identified as practicing Christians, reported seeking out porn on a regular basis. 13% of females between the ages of 13 and 24 who identified as practicing Christians reported seeking out porn on a regular basis, with females aged 25 and older reporting regular porn use at 5%. Now, whether those numbers surprise you or don't surprise you, the percentages are actually significantly lower compared to those reporting as non-practicing Christians. Still, I share these stats with you in the prevalence of porn usage among practicing Christians, not to make a moral or religious case against porn, but instead to address the ways in which pornography is affecting married couples' expectations in sex lives today. So number eight, when I get married and can have sex whenever I want, my desire for pornography will simply fade away. Yeah, no. The main reason this is untrue is because porn affects the brain differently than sex with an intimate partner affects the brain. What do I mean by that? Well, through arousal and climax, the brain releases a concoction of hormones, including dopamine, oxytocin, and vasopressin. During partnered sex with your spouse, a real-life, in-the-flesh human being, your brain is designed to release dopamine and oxytocin together, which allow you to experience pleasure, that's the dopamine, within the context of a secure and loving attachment to your spouse, that's the oxytocin. However, when someone becomes aroused and climaxes to porn, there's no attachment there, no human connection. So the brain releases high amounts of dopamine and low amounts of oxytocin. And over time, these dopamine hits aren't enough. A person who views porn regularly begins to need a higher intake or new and novel stimuli in order to achieve the same amount of pleasure because that person has built up a tolerance. 
and this is known as the Coolidge effect. So here's why this is important. Because if you've ever used porn on a regular basis in the past, your brain on porn says, all that matters is what's stimulating to me. Give me novel, give me more. So then you get married and you love your spouse more than anything and you desire to have sex with your spouse more than anything. But unbeknownst to you, porn has hijacked your brain to some extent. So you could find yourself having trouble staying present with your spouse or connecting on an emotional or spiritual level. And this is because the brain has been rewired for a purely behavioral response or a stimulus reward cycle associated with sexual pleasure outside of the context of human connection. And this is, of course, perplexing when it happens because you love your spouse, but sexually, your desire for sexual stimulation and release is high, but your ability to connect with your spouse during sex is low. Are you beginning to see the problem here? So, yes, being married does afford the opportunity to have more sex, but the desire for porn and the desire for one's spouse are two totally different things. In fact, more and more, doctors and sex therapists are beginning to see erectile dysfunction, low desire, and lower levels of sexual activity before marriage in our culture across the board. And if you're interested in doing your own research on the topic, yourbrainonporn.com has curated hundreds of scientific research articles and resources to raise awareness. A site which was created, by the way, by science-minded educators who happen to be atheists, but who have recovered from the effects of porn in their own lives and care enough to help others do the same. So I'll link that resource in the show notes. But again, my point here is not to make a moral case, but to help you understand what's happening psychologically and physiologically if this is resonating with you or your spouse. And if that is you, what I want you to know is that it can be fixed and it will take a mind-body-soul treatment plan. What do I mean by that? Having a healthy sex life will require a deconstruction period of your heart's desires, of your brain's current programming, and its subsequent effects on the body. It will then require a retraining period, whereby you're doing the work of taking every thought captive, consciously choosing to look at humans as humans, not as sexual stimuli, and where you are actively asking God to transform your heart and your desires. And aside from the grace of God and his healing of your heart and mind, it may very well take working with a certified sex therapist who's a specialist in sexual addiction, because the brain on porn is patterned in a similar way to those who struggle with any other form of addictive behavior. But hear me say again, there is hope and the work can be done, just not by yourself. Sexpectation number nine. What seems to work or be pleasurable in the media or porn industry will also work with and or be pleasurable to my spouse. Let me be very clear on this point. Your spouse desires intimate human connection, not a licentious experience. Okay? The trouble with trying to please your spouse the way it's portrayed in media or porn is that there's an element of shock value wrapped into the fake sexual experience. And so what's often portrayed as pleasurable isn't in real life. Does that make sense? 
It's designed for our viewing pleasure, a.k.a. dopamine hits, which means the greater the tolerance for visual stimulation, the more lewd and crude our visual media becomes. So to replicate what you've seen on TV or online is to replicate a fantasy in your own mind, not necessarily what's actually pleasurable to your real-life spouse. So please try your best to evaluate, am I really trying to pleasure my spouse here? Or am I trying to be somebody I'm not because I've bought into the lie that that's what my spouse wants? To put this more bluntly, just because you've observed sexual encounters through various forms of media doesn't make you a sex expert, okay? (laughs) My husband and I are really into law dramas right now on TV. And even though we've learned a lot, or think we've learned a lot, do you really think either of us are competent to practice law based on our passive consumption of a few law shows? Right, the answer is no. So, if you're not married yet, and you believe you know what's up because of what you've seen or taken part in on your own time, can I go ahead and tell you you're probably wrong? That the most important thing as you approach marriage is that your spouse feels like he or she is safe, free to be him or herself, and trusts you to move slowly and gently, asking permission along the way to make the next move and to continually ask and not assume what to do or what feels good. Because here's what happens when couples aren't proactive about this and they get married and the effects of porn on the brain have negative consequences for the marriage or for a couple's sex life. Let's say the person who's passively consumed explicit entertainment marries a person who has not. Additionally, the person they marry has never had sex before and doesn't know what it's supposed to be like either. So the spouse who thinks he or she knows something comes to the honeymoon with confidence thinking he or she knows what will please his or her spouse and quickly acts on it. But his or her spouse is not only hesitant going into the wedding night, but uncomfortable with either A, how quickly their spouse is moving, or B, how the spouse he or she loves is behaving. But because this person doesn't know any different, he or she assumes that this is the way it's supposed to be, that the partner knows best, and is silently then disappointed while working through the feeling that something is off without knowing what it is or how to talk about it. Now, in another scenario, let's say the person who's passively consumed explicit content marries someone who hasn't viewed porn, but who has had past real-life sexual experiences. In this case, that spouse knows that what's happening isn't lovemaking, but a distorted and less than satisfying experience of it. So the spouse calls out his or her partner, responding with bewilderment of what the spouse who's used porn thinks is pleasurable. That spouse then gets angry and defensive, and they fight for the rest of their honeymoon. In doing research for this episode, I've listened to podcasts, I've gathered stories, I've read the research, and these are some of the patterns that emerge. And I want you to know I've debated how deep to dive into these things because I always want to be discerning and respectful and a safe place for you as the listener. 
But I've prayerfully decided to include these things so that if you resonate with any of this, that you might have the language to have the conversations you need to have, even though they may be really hard and really vulnerable. And I would encourage you to seek out all of the following. A licensed professional counselor, a trustworthy pastor, and a trusted friend to help you move forward and heal fully. I want to cheer you on in doing whatever you need to do to feel whole within yourself. And then once you feel emotionally safe and you and your partner trust each other enough to have a hard conversation, to then do so. Or if both of you know you need to have that conversation, but you would feel even more courageous within the safety and structure of a therapist office, don't hesitate to have a third party present for that conversation. I truly believe that with God, all things are possible, and that when two people have willing hearts to seek professional help, that the Lord can work in those sacred spaces to bring growth and healing, hope and change for the better for the two of you. I wouldn't do what I do or share what I've shared if I didn't believe that. So I truly hope this episode has been nothing but helpful and informative for you. And hey, I'm working on an online class on healthy sexuality that's going to include even more practical information and discussion questions and activities to do within the privacy of your own home with your spouse. So if you've enjoyed this sex series so far and you're interested in learning more about that class when it comes available, just visit bravemarriage.com sex to get added to our email list. Again, that's bravemarriage.com sex. So that's your action step for this week as well. And I'll be back next week to finish up this expectation series for real this time. I'm recording it right after this episode, as a matter of fact. So have a great week, everyone. And my prayer for your marriage is that in every sexual conversation and experience with your spouse, that again, you would take every thought captive and make it obedient to God, that he would be glorified not only through your sex life, but in your heart and in your mind and in your brain as well. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile